Welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. And I'm excited today because I've got an incredible guest. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, it's my it's my mission every week with this podcast to bring you content that hopefully makes you a better insurance professional. And I believe that with the feedback you've given me and the emails and the text messages, I hope I'm doing that right now. If I'm not, let me know what I can do better. Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com or check out our business page on Facebook at Insurance Town Podcast. Real simple. Um, so I come back to today with my conversation because, again, I'm super excited. My, my guest today is a rock star, in my opinion. He is actually one collaborator of the year with the IAOA. He is incredibly smart, incredibly gifted in marketing, in sales, in strategy, in running an agency. And I wanted you to hear his story. I also wanted you to, uh, you know, just hear about this guy and what he's doing. Our conversations get, gets real pretty quick. And he's very open. He's very transparent. And you're going to hear some stuff you're probably going to relate to. And you're probably going to be able to say, yeah, I've been through that. And he gives you a real look into what he's doing, pulls back the curtain a little bit. And, and on top of that, he also has a, a bomb to drop. Uh, he announces uh, something he's doing for the first time ever on my podcast. So I'm extremely honored for that. And I want you to hear that too. So again, it's without further ado, I bring to you the principal agent and owner of Real Insurance in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, which is a part of the Real Good Group. He's all about generosity. He's all about helping others. He's all about collaborating with you. And he's just a real honest guy and transparent in everything he does. Please sit back, strap in, and, and enjoy my conversation with my buddy, Christian Moore. Christian Moore, what's happening, brother? What is going on, my man? Man, I am good. I'm so glad to have you on the phone with me or on the Zoom call today. Uh, I've been following you for a while and become a fan and uh, super excited to have you on today. So how's the how's the world treating you? How's the kids? You got three kids, right? We have three kids, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, my, my youngest just had her fourth birthday. So that's uh, that's hard on my, my dad heart. Uh, she's <laughs> a little, my little one is getting bigger. Um, things are going pretty good. You know, Kentucky's been, um, which is where our agency is. We're in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, because we were already kind of built to be, um, we, we started with the concept that we wanted to be able to work anywhere in the world. So COVID really hasn't affected us uh, whatsoever. If anything, we uh, we've continued to hit our monthly sales numbers, if not increase them. But honestly, that seems to be a lot of the case for most most, most agencies who are nimble and, and ready for it. That's awesome. Now, wait, we'll go back for a second. Your four-year-old just had a birthday. Yep. Is this, because you had one in April. So is this like, you mean like June or you mean like around the same time you had a birthday? No, June 3rd. Oh, that's crazy. I'm sorry, June, sorry, June 6th. My anniversary, my 14-year anniversary with my wife was June 3rd. So nice. there we go. You know, my wife and I um, have an anniversary on the same day as a holiday. My son and I share a birthday. Um, and then uh, <laughs> my daughter shares a birthday with her mother. So it's crazy. Uh, so I was wondering how that worked. Um, how old are the other two? Uh, my son, whose birthday is three days from mine also. That's um, awesome. Is, uh, he's nine. And then I have a little girl who is uh, coming up on six. That's crazy. Boy love it. You've been married, you said, 14 years? 14 years. Good for you, man. I love it. Um, yeah, you know, we got, we got married really young. I was 23. She was 21. And, and everyone said, you know, 
you guys are crazy, you're dumb, you're too young. And I can tell you after 14 years of a committed relationship that they were 100% right. Uh, we were dumb. <laughs> we did not know what we were getting into. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that. um, since we're talking about family, uh, do me a favor and do my audience a favor. Let's take a walk down memory lane and let's talk about uh, Christian Moore. Go back as far as you want to and tell me your story and what led you to today. You know, one of the things that I, that I really well, that I really appreciate about my story um, is that um, if you were to if you were to look at my resume, I've done some speaking like in high schools, and I tell two and I and I talk about uh, John and I talk about Juan, and I set up the story of like you know John was um, John was this uh, kid who came from a broken home. Parents had been his mom had been married four times, dad had been married and divorced five times. Um, you know, came from extreme poverty. You know, had uh, almost failed multiple grades. Missed. You couldn't play sports because of bad grades. Um, went to college, but ended up dropping out and leaving. Um, and and ultimately uh, didn't respect women. Uh, and, and you know, basically was on, honestly just not a you know a very responsible guy. And then the next guy, um, you know, he lives in one of the nicer neighborhoods. Has a has a two you know has a has a real nice you know. Brick home is a top three percent earner in the in the world and sorry in the in the U.S. Um, has a has a business and a team and a family, you know, and uh, you know, married for fourteen years, three kids, you know. I'm like, you know, I'm like, so tell me, I'm like, what are the differences between Juan and John? You know, the kids, you know, they start talking and they start talking, and um, and usually they don't get it, but the answer is time, because my first name is John. <laughs> Uh, John Christian is my name. And so I'm like, who I'm talking about is me. And what's really funny is a lot of these kids were like, well, one, you know, Juan was born into privilege. (laughs) And and John, you know, he was, he, he wasn't, he had more problems. Right. Um, And, and the truth is, is that they're the same person. It was just, it was just time and maturity that allowed me to get to where I am. And so that conversation that that I have with those young, uh, those young people is that at the end of the day, what we're looking for is we're trying to, um, what's happening to you right now, what ha- what's happened to you in the past doesn't define your future, right? And it's so important to me because if you looked at my past and you looked at the mistakes I made and you looked at the bad decisions I made, the debt that I got in, um, the the pugnacious tendencies of my personality, um, you would never, you'd never believe I'm in the position I am today. And honestly, a lot of it's God's grace, but a lot of it is an amazing woman. A lot of it's a wonderful community and church that I go to. Uh, a lot of it's my team that I've that I've been blessed to be around, but at the end of the day, um, I just I wouldn't let my past define me. Uh, uh, and, I, and I and I and I and and for me, if I see a wall in success or or whatever I deem as successful is on the other side of it, I will lower my head and I'll continue to run through it until I get to that other side. So my story I and mean, come up is it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool story. Um, and I don't know if I've told it before like that, but. Uh, yeah, it, I came from nothing. I don't have a college degree. Um, my brother is the first person in my family to get a college uh, college education. He's the director of an ER um, uh, for the University of Kentucky. So there's a um, you know it's it's been a it's been a cool story. Both of us came from very little, but you know because of the love and uh, compassion shown from my my mom and my grandparents, we were able to uh, have a decent foundation at least to be able to push through. So I love that you. Um... I love that you bring up, you know, speaking to high schools because um, as a former youth pastor, I used to speak in a lot of high schools and I used to do a lot of speaking events there. And one of the biggest things I would tell people is when someone tells you that high school is the greatest time in your life, don't listen to them <laughs> because it only gets better. And now that I'm 40 years old, I can look back and say, you know, each year does truly get better. I don't want to get off track on that, but I do love that you started with that. 
So uh, continue on. Tell me a little bit more about your story, about your upbringing, about how you ended up where you are now. Um, you know, I, um, I did some mission work myself, came back. I uh, was in college. Uh, that's where I met my – or um, not in college. I was living with a bunch of guys on a college campus, like eight other dudes from a church. Uh, but I couldn't afford anything, so I'd have three jobs. That's where I met my wife. Uh, one of those jobs, she walked in, and um, she always jokes and say that, like, you know, birds started flying and music started, you know, in the air. But the truth is, is that <laughs> super hot. And, uh, and I, and I had to get her phone number. Um, but the, uh, but, but the God's honest truth, man, is she's, um, um, my wife is a, is a, a strong reason why I am where I am today, maybe more than anything else. Uh, we got, we fell in love. She became my best friend. We fell in love, um, and got married. And then she had a, a very bad, um, back injury. Um, and it was, she was just born with an extra vertebrae and, um, and has a, a bad spine. Uh, and it really defines a lot, of, a lot of our life now, even still. But what happened was, is I was a no, non-ambitious uh, dude, just happy to wait tables and do some cell phones at a radio shack. And I, you know, I was doing nothing. Um, and then she got injured. She was still in school. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything was on me. Um, and it was a question of, am I going to be a man? Am I going to step up and take care of my family and this person who's committed her life to me and me committed my life to her? Or am I just going to sit back and complain about the bad, bad draw that I had? Worse came out at that moment. Say that again. That for better or for worse came out at that moment in you. You know, uh, yeah, uh, it did. It we really did. Um, and I didn't even think of that because if you meet my wife, you realize that she's the catch. Um, and but she was absolutely, um, she's absolutely worth any amount of, of turmoil. But the truth is, is that something clicked in me, and it was that I told you about that running my head through the wall. And man, I was just, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna do whatever it took. I was working three jobs. Um, you know, while I wasn't always efficient, while I wasn't always a good employee. Uh, I never had a problem working hard. Uh, as an athlete, when I played soccer in college, and uh, as an athlete, uh, what I always tell people is I had to work twice as hard to be half as good, and I was better than most. So, you know, that meant I had to work that much harder just to even compete. Um, and so um, I think that I'm thankful for that because I think that is now something that plays out down the road, at least in business. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good way of looking at that. I haven't heard it quite that but that way. But, uh, okay, so you uh, dealing with a, a an injury so to speak or a, was it a birth defect or whatnot maybe in your in your wife and learning how uh, to take care of that family um, what led you to what from waiting tables and doing odds and end jobs to getting in the insurance industry and I believe that what we've talked in the past that you started off with a captive maybe um, well before that yeah I did so I was actually in cell phone sales I was one of the top cell phone sales guys in the country wow. uh, the east coast of the country for I was working for Sprint um, and uh, one of my clients was a state farm agent and uh, honestly just out of the goodness of his heart he took me out to lunch and he said Christian um, he said, Christian, I think that you've probably hit your ceiling where you're at, haven't you? And what was really crazy, it was like one of those moments where it was like, this was a sign because the night before I'd been having a conversation with my wife and I was like, hey, in order for me to make more money, I have to, I have to elevate three times higher from my current position and make less money each step of the way before I can become a store manager and make, I was making more than the store manager at the time. Um, and so I was like, and I had said the words, I've just, I've just hit a ceiling. This is the most I can do. And then literally the next day he said, hey man, I think you've hit a ceiling. And then he said, here's the thing with insurance. 
you can make as much money as you're willing to work for. Well, I just told you that I was willing to outwork anybody, right? So for me, that that was that that made sense. That clicked. And I was like, okay. And what's funny is he wasn't trying to hire me. He actually uh, referred me to one of his buddies and I went and interviewed with State Farm and I uh, ended up getting fired from the first office I was in for insubordination because I was making fun of the agent for her her practices. Um, and then and she and she downloaded my uh, my conversation history. I told you I wasn't a great employee always, uh, but I was 50% of that agency's production. So then another State Farm agent said, well, I'm perfectly fine hiring that guy. So I went and worked for another State Farm agent. Uh, and then that's when we, uh, that's when my wife and I got pregnant, or we actually were pregnant at that time. And then um, she wanted to stay home and, uh, and I wanted her to stay home uh, with our kids. And so um, at that point it was, okay, I can go back and get three more jobs. I took a $20,000 a year pay cut to go learn insurance. Um, so I, I, it was something I wanted to invest in. I knew it was worth it. Um, and so then I left and started an agency uh, with a company called American National. Um, but in Kentucky, they were just not a very good organization. Um, and I'll say that very frankly, and I'll talk to anybody about it. Um, but they weren't. Um, but they were a life first organization and their life insurance products were really good. Uh, so they taught me how to sell life insurance, which I was, I was very thankful for that. Uh, and because of my success, State Farm recruited me back. I became an agent in waiting. Um, and I was over this territory for about two years uh, and then ended up uh, with a uh, independent agency, which is where I launched my agency from. And um, so that all of this was taking place in Lexington, Kentucky, correct? Yeah. Or around that area. Yeah. Central Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but my whole family is from outside of Winchester area. Uh, oh, Nice. Yeah, so I've got Kentucky ties, and I used to be a huge Kentucky fan until I started uh, bleeding red. Hey, real quick, uh, with your family, who insures them? And uh, do you have their names, numbers? And uh, we give a twenty dollars gift card referral fee. Hey, I'll get with you on that off. Uh, <laughs> well, they'll be listening to this because uh, all my downloads come from my family and friends. So <laughs> there you go. But uh, I didn't think about that. Hey, I'll, I'll give that referral. But. Um, no, I, uh, I know the area well. I love that area. Um, so talk to me about starting your own. Okay, so you were an agency in waiting, but there's a totally different ballgame from owning or being the head of a state farm agency to owning your own independent agency. What was that transition like and what does that look like, you know, in the first couple of years of that? And honestly, um, so a lot of it had to do with a lot of self um, self-reflection, introspection. Um, you know, a good salesperson rarely makes a good boss or good manager, right? Uh, a lot of times organizations always make the mistake of their, they, they elevate their best salespeople. And oftentimes they'll promote somebody out of a job, right? Because they suck as a manager and they were a great, they were a great salesperson. Uh, so knowing that I was always fearful that, um, that that was going to be my story. Uh, so that, that motivated me because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I was good at sales and I, I knew I had some good ideas, but I wasn't tested. Um, I, it was never all on me. So I didn't know exactly. Um, I didn't know exactly how I was going to handle things. And honestly, um, I'm not a um, I'm not an empathetic person. So like if you do personality tests, those kinds of things, uh, I, I have strong intuition, but I, I tend to be somewhat apathetic towards your, your feelings um, as a default. That's not where I want to be, but that's as a default. And so, um, and I don't mean this in, in a sexist way, but I was very afraid. I knew that I was going to be hiring women. Um, and I was very afraid that I was not going to be a good employer because I wanted to respect them and I wanted to treat them well, but it, it was, it was my assumption. And I'm, there's actually a, there's a, there's a lesson on this. 
uh, it was my assumption that they were going to be more emotional and I was going to have a hard time. And so like when I was hiring them, I'm like, look, I'm probably going to make you cry at some point in time. I'm probably, you know, it's not intentional, you know, but I just want to let you know that I don't, I don't do well with emotions, you know? Um, well, two, in, in my first uh, two years, I had four team members and uh, two of them had cried in my office and they were both guys. Um, the girl, I'd walk into the office and my guys, were the pre- <laughs> my, my guys were the prima donnas. I had to be like, Will, Zach, you guys are so pretty. You guys are doing such a good job. I'm so proud of you. I'd walk in, I'd, I'd, see, the, I'd see the women in my office. I'd be like, what's up? They'd be like, chilling. <laughs> so it's always a joke that the, the women were dudes and my dudes were women. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely inappropriate, but you know. But the point of it was is that uh, the that's that's a funny story. But the, the truth was is that I was very conscious about um, about checking in with people and making sure that I, I knew who I was. And what I tell my team, I don't know if you've ever studied the Enneagram. I actually like it a lot. But I'm an eight, uh, and so we we thrive on intensity, and intensity breeds more intensity. And so I, I tell my team this all the time: is like you guys have no idea what's going on under the hood. Because if I drove you the same way that I drive myself, you'd quit, you'd leave. Um, And so a lot of it is, uh, I had to come to terms with the fact that you can still be authentic without being 100% yourself. You know what I mean? And there's, and there's a reality that there are, there are better ways to interact and love people. Um, And if I really wanted to love my team, then I was going to have to modify some of my behavior. Um, And it didn't mean I was being, didn't mean I was being inauthentic. It just meant that I loved them more than I loved myself. And I was willing to, I was willing to change in order to, to, to make it a better workplace environment. So, um, go, so going into that management role and, and ownership role, um, it sounds like you had to, because I, I see a lot of managers that try to manage the way that they like to be managed. So you're telling me that you realized pretty quickly and you would give advice to other managers probably to say <clears throat> adapt to your staff style or do that with so there's probably some truth. Okay, there's, go probably ahead. Some, there's probably some truth to what you're saying because I was definitely a. Um, I definitely thought I wanted to find other me's. I felt like I was. I felt like I was a really good ingredient to add to the recipe, and I wanted to find. I just wanted more of it. Right? It's like sugar in a cake. When do you have too much sugar in a cake? I don't know, but I've never met one. I didn't like having more sugar. Right? I wanted more. So. <laughs> A lot of my recruiting strategy in the beginning was finding people that were, were like me, uh, like-minded, uh, sure. people that didn't need to be managed. Um, and so instead of being a manager, I, I really consider my role more of a support role. Um, my job is to bring business to them, is to support them, to, in, to invest in their lives and their, their freedom. Uh, and so and now, that allowed... Would that be, did you have to find yourself, did you end up finding yourself a bad cop that you hired or someone to office manage and so you could have that role of producer or whatnot or is it more of how did that work for you and your agency because i know a lot of my listeners are probably struggling with the same thing in management of who do i surround myself how do i get my team to function as a well-oiled machine well this is this is really important this is really important this will be probably one of the bigger points of the conversation because most people are trying to hire and they have no business hiring right now because they have no idea what their identity is as an organization. So I, so my, my whole thing, if you've ever listened to any of my other podcasts, is I spent nine months on a cultural strategy and two hours on a business plan. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. I'm not making that up. I spent nine months reading and researching and thinking and writing out my thoughts and, and trying to figure out exactly who I wanted to be as an organization, why I wanted to exist. So when I go to recruit somebody, I know 
why we exist. We exist to do real good, to make an impact, a generational impact. We do that by taking a portion of everything we make and giving it back to the communities where we operate. That means that when you buy something from us, there's some portion that's going to clothe, feed, or educate people in our community who need it most. By the way, those people are never going to be our clients and we're never going to market to them. So we're not State Farm, you know, making ourselves look better. We literally believe that we exist to be generous. And so if I, if I tell you that, and you're not inspired, I know that you're not for me. If you don't automatically take that and you don't go, oh, that means that I can, I can close more deals this way. Oh, and think about retention, man. If, if, if we have our clients and they're wanting to leave us, we say, wait, wait, you're actually our partner, not just our client. Then, then yeah, dude, I could, I could totally get behind. I want that. I need to see that light in their eyes. And then I know that I, that's, the, that's the, you've got to show me the light in your eyes and the inspiration from our why before you can ever have a conversation about you know, actually working for us or with us. Thank you. I, you know, I think that's incredible that you, you brought that out that way. And so, you know your identity going in and it's easy to recruit from that and real as your agency's name. Tell me uh, what, what real is and what's that stand for, what that means to you. Just briefly, people that haven't heard you before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny, I'll tell you, but then I'll also, I'll tell you that we're going through a brand, we're going through a rebranding. And in doing this, I realized that I had actually, I was actually hurting my own narrative. The name of my company is actually Real Good Group. Uh, we just DBA as Real Insurance Agency. Um, so again, Real Good Group exists because we, we, we exist to do real good. Um, what we were doing, what we were, Kentucky. what was that? That sounds so Kentucky. We want to do real good. I love, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But actually, you know, do real good in the community, you know, good. But, I, I, I know, I was just poking. <laughs> but yeah, so the, um, it does sound a little Kentucky, but you know, the, um, what we were doing is we were saying that, you know, okay, hey, did you know that real is an acronym? And then we'd say, well, it stands for right intentions, excellence in all things, awesome partners, and life-changing generosity. We like to focus on the life-changing generosity, and then I'd go into uh, the giving spiel. But the truth is, is that none of that is an acronym. If, I, if it was really an acronym, the I would be, you know, it'd be, it'd be right intentions. It'd be I and then awesome products. P is the products. And then A is the awesome partnership. So it'd be like IPPG if that was a real acronym, right? So um, we're actually in the middle of changing our, um, and also my, my website URL was getrealkentucky or getrealky.com, which uh, annoyingly, because I consider myself somewhat of a visionary, I lacked a lot of vision in that uh, because we are growing and uh, we are now, you know, writing regionally. And if someone in Tennessee or Ohio or Indiana or Illinois or Colorado or Connecticut or Alabama or Georgia, where we write, none of these places, they, they don't want to do business. They don't want to be reminded that they're getting real Kentucky, uh, especially in the SEC. They don't want to you know, <laughs> think about Kentucky. Exactly. Um, you know, these guys don't even know how to pass a football. Um, Especially those with the whole uh, buy local um, yeah. and local thing. That would probably, you know, put that, you know, in a, in a bad spot as well. So, yeah, that's smart to, to recognize that still so, early on. Yeah, so we're moving to Real Good Group. So it's going to be realgoodgroup.com. Uh, we, we've got a new brand uh, for that. Um, but it, it makes the narrative so much better, right? Um, <clears throat> there's a it, – it, it's so much more simple. Hey, the name of our company is Real Good Group. We exist to do real good. What that means is that we take we want to make a generational impact by inspiring and being generous. So we want to inspire others in our community through generosity by first being generous ourselves. So the so narrative hasn't changed. The narrative hasn't changed. Just the, the name and the and the, the web and the web page. Well, it's, it's more clear, right? So when you yeah, when you think about sense. like communication, and then on top of that, from the commercial standpoint. You know, so when my agency president calls in to uh, 
to you know one of our manufacturing clients say uh, his name is Will Farrell by the way uh, but when he says hey this is Will Farrell with with real insurance agency well they're just really confused right they're like first of all why does Will Farrell sound like an Eastern Kentucky good old boy uh, and then two <laughs> and then two they say oh insurance no we don't do that but when you say hey I'm with the real good group may I speak to yeah may I speak to you know your controller or whoever, right? And then the, the gate, and then they say, well, what's Real Good Group? It's like, oh, well, we're an organization that helps people manage risks. Uh, we do that by partnering with you to, um, to look at how much you're spending and where your opportunities are for savings. By the way, they didn't cost anything for you. We give you free consultation. And at the end of the day, we work, uh, we work on your behalf without charging you a dime. We haven't talked about insurance yet, right? So there's just a better, it's, it's just a better narrative. Uh, and the way that this came about, was um, we're doing the rebranding. And this is this is the thing. Can I make the announcement? Yeah, go for it. I'm all about it. Here's the announcement. Um, I just started a website and marketing company called agentrefined.com. Uh, or it's Agent Refined. And if you want to find it, it's at agentrefined.com. <laughs> right. The concept of that is this. Uh, and I partnered. So what, what this is, the way, that we're, the way that we're a little different is that I'm not a failed insurance agent uh, who's who's changing and going to market to other insurance agents. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm doing. I don't, I have a thriving insurance agency and I have insights on culture and automation and sales and coaching and training. And I know exactly what the agent is going through right now. I'm not outside of it. I'm in it, but I've partnered with a guy who knew nothing about insurance. And he was just, he, all he was, was one of the best branding uh, website developers uh, in the country, at least this part of the country. So what's really cool about him is he's actually, he's what's called a functional designer, or basically he's a person who can program and write code and create a UX UI experience that's unlike anything you've seen. And so what we, what we do is we, we meet together in the branding and the, uh, the branding concepts, right? Uh, The culture concepts, but he is design uh, and he is the build out and, and I am you know, agency focus, right? And a little bit on the sales side, but basically what that allows us to do is we actually build, and this is the big thing, we build custom websites for every single agency. So you would never know when you look at website A, B, and C that they were designed by the same company. And, and the way that we explain this is, it's, we call our websites modular as opposed to, like right now, if you were to go to some of the big guys, I'm not saying names, but if you're gonna go to some of the, the honestly, the two best companies out there right now for agents, they're just redesigning templates. They're not website builders. They're website, um, their website, like, they, you know, they'll, they'll just change, they'll change a template, right? There's, there's some coding in it, but they're actually using a template that exists. So for example, the site that I have now, there's 105 other agents in the country that have that exact same website with the exact same, with the exact same wording, with the exact same content. So, uh, and there's one that's, there's like two of them that are down the road for me, look the exact same. The shades of blue are just a little different. And so, you know, if, if I were a client and I were comparing the two agencies, I wouldn't actually know that they're different except that there's a little logo on the top left that is, that's a little different. Uh, and maybe the About Us page has some different employees on it, but you'd have to find it, right? So what we, what we understand and know is that the average agency owner, they have their own identity and that they became independent because they didn't want to be controlled. So when you buy a website from Agent Refined, you actually own the website. You don't have to continue to pay for years and years and years. It's not agent refined for life because we're not sending you to a life sentence, right? You are able to, you're able to buy your website and own it 
and it is built. So when I say modular, what that means is, is that when we build it, imagine like every time we build a website, it's like building a new, uh, it's like building a new tool. And that tool then goes on a, on a shelf. So with every site built, we have more and more tools available for all the sites that are already built and all future sites. So it's like a, a Hummer, for example, is built on a suburban chassis, right? So a mechanic is going to get underneath the Suburban and the Hummer, and they're going to see basically the same bones, the same structure. But the client, when they get in and they drive a Hummer versus driving a Suburban, those are two completely different experiences, right? So us, we're the mechanics, and for us, everything's going to function in a, in a way that makes sense, as smooth, as simple, as clean. Uh, the integrations are all going to be very, very um, uh, smooth, simple, right? That's, that's really where we, where we land. But the, but the experience, the agent experience and their client experience is going to be very unique to that agency. And there's not another company out there. There's not another company out there that is providing that type of service right now. Um, so we're doing some, we're going to do, we're doing really cool things. We've already got clients in the make. And this is the, this is the absolute first time that we're actually going out and telling people about it. And the truth is that there are other competitors out there. And I really, I really have a ton of respect for them and they have a good business model and there's a place for those people. We're not going to be for everybody. And I always believe that the, the sandbox is big enough for us all to play in. Who I have my website with right now, the guy is amazing. He, does, he gives great customer service and he's done a really good job. And he helped me take my agency to the next level. So I'm not going, I could never say something negative or bad about him, but there are nuances and differences where we're going to be a better fit than, than somebody else. So a couple questions. Yep. Um, what you're telling me is it's a tailored website to that agency. They, they don't have a template that, as you would say, 400 people have. This is their own website that they design. Yes, no? Uh, we design it. Yeah. We design yeah. It, but it, it is hand built by us. Unique to them. Unique to them. That's right. Okay. okay so, um, so many agencies that I work with, that I've been working with, that I've seen, and I won't say any names either, but so many of those agencies get to a point where they're ashamed of their website because it is whatever. They're afraid to put their links to it. Um, a lot of times I've even seen where they list their Facebook business page as their website because <laughs> their, their, their website's just not yeah. as slick as they want it to be. So what you're saying is you're going to make them proud of their website where they can post links to it, drive business to it. You're going to have quotes. You'll be able to get quotes there. Or you're going to be able to make changes there, do things whatever they want to do with their website. Correct. Is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can say, so call it the power so I, there's an equation that I, that I came up with recently, and, I, and this really matters. The power to do X, so it's the power to recruit, the power to convert, the power to sell, right? So the power to do X is equal to culture plus mentality times narrative. Culture plus mentality, those are in parentheses, times narrative. So anything times zero is zero, right? So I was talking to an agency owner recently. This is a $30 million in premium agency, been around for a hundred years. Uh, the agent was amazing. The owner's amazing. I even told him, I was like, dude, if you had recruited me five years ago, you, I probably would have worked for you just because you're such an amazing man. I said, but what would have happened is I would have, <clears throat> what would have happened is I would have looked at your website and then I would have seen how antiquated it was. And then I would have thought, Ooh, what other things are antiquated? Tell me about your processes. And then I would have found out that you make all of your personalized agents go and walk off the square footage of every single house and take pictures of them, submit them through two different layers. And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't have worked for you, right? So, and then on top of that, and the reason for that is there's no staying power except for the fact that you're a good guy. So tell me, you know, why, why does your agency exist? 
What are you doing in the community that matters? You know, why does your team love working for you? You got to tell those stories, right? So part of the, so a website isn't a magic pill, right? You need to be driving people to it, but it should exist for two reasons. It should exist to comfort and convert. Those are the two main functions of a website. And if they're not doing those things, then it's just extra fluff, right? Um, and so, you know, and over time, you know, you can use SEO and bring people to it. But at the end of the day, you should be driving people to your site and those, and that site should be comforting and converting. So if you're recruiting somebody and you've got a great culture like this guy did and you have a good mentality like this guy did, he's got no narrative so he has nothing. But what maybe you're, but a lot of agents, let's face it, most agents are on the other side of that. Most agents are pretty good at telling a story. That's maybe, at least a lot of agents are really good at telling a story, but they have no culture. They have no definitive culture. Their culture is whatever's happened to them. So that's a zero. So zero plus mindset, maybe they've got something. Uh, but if those things aren't defined, then as good as the website is, that doesn't matter because you haven't actually defined your, your culture and your your mindset mentality. So when we are helping people, agents build websites, what we're doing, we're going way beyond website design because we will do brand, we'll do print, uh, we'll do video. And so it's, it's a full marketing suite. Um, and so one of the things that we'll do is we put people through a questionnaire and the questionnaire is, hey, why do you exist? What are your values? Tell us about yourself. And it's going to, at the very end of the day, even though we're not coming in to do business consultation necessarily, the things that you have to think about in order to have a custom built site, the way that we're going to walk you through branding and through the experience for the client is going to make you a better insurance agent. And that's the whole point of Agent Refined because as an insurance agency owner, I put on the marketing jacket and then I put on the manager jacket. I put on the recruiter jacket. I put on the content jacket. I put on the SEO jacket, the Facebook marketing, you know, and so all of a sudden I'm, I can't move and I can't operate because I'm, I'm so weighed down. So the reason we call it agent refined is we want to remove those things from you, the agency owner, and allow you to do what you do best, be an insurance agent. So you're taking so much off of their plate when it comes to that. And so I, I'm guessing, and again, I'm not trying to make you make any new announcements, but I'm guessing this agent refined, or agent refined, right? Agent uh, refined. Agent refined could end up being more than just website company. It could end up being a consulting company, a lot of other things. So good for you on that. And again, I'm not trying to make you make any new announcements, but. No, that's, I mean, honestly, the goal isn't to be a web, website is just part of it. Uh, the real benefit comes to the things we can do. Your background, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we've talked several times is you have a marketing degree from the University of Kentucky, correct? Uh, I studied marketing. I have no college degree. Study, that's right. Studied marketing. So. I've spoken, like said, the, I've spoken to the, college, the, the master's college of, uh, of business at Kentucky about marketing with no degree. But. Isn't that crazy? Uh, <laughs> so funny to me. I'm the only person in, in my immediate family that has a college degree. So I understand where you're coming from and some of that. But so uh, you're able to use some of that. And I, I do see your content. Anybody that knows you. In fact, uh, did you not win an award recently with IOA a couple years ago or last year or something for? Yeah, so man, it was honestly, I, that was probably one of the greatest honors that I've had in my professional career uh, to be recognized amongst your peers, especially only after being in business for like nine months. But um, I was given the collaborator of the year through IAOA Insurance Agency Owners Alliance. And that it really meant a lot. It was awesome. And so that was just uh, one of those things that was completely you. Oh, there you go. He just showed me his award. It's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, actually, it really is beautiful. Um, so what that was for you, and I guess I guess that'll lead me to another question real quick, if you can help the listeners. Um, I think still to this day, even though it's a, a buzzword, I still think to this day there's a lot of agencies that, that put uh, content on the back burner 
and they don't think about putting that out there, putting themselves out there and having that schedule or having that, you know, put out, you know, this much this week or this much that week and have that scheduled out. What say you about, you know, what I'm, you know, what we're talking about right now? Yeah, I think it, that's really interesting. So, <laughs> I, you know, I have a very specific strategy in my, in my content creation and, um, and I've kind of, honestly, you know, if you, if you pay attention the last four or five months, I've definitely slowed down on it. Um, one of the things about content creation for me was I wanted to, um, when, I, when I create a Facebook post from my agency, if I do a video, I have exactly two reasons to do that. My number one reason is I want the team that works for me to be proud. That is 100%. It, it has to pass through that filter first. Number two is I want other people who see it to say, I would love to work for an organization where somebody thinks and talks that way. And I, I do not post anything trying to get business first. I don't post anything trying to get clients to buy first. That is not what we're doing. I want people, people do business with who they trust and like. Yep. Right? And honestly, people do business with where they would like to work. Think about Amazon. Think about Google. Think about Zappos. Think about Facebook. You know, they're all, they're all have this fame for where they in their workplace cultures. And it should be no surprise that they're excellent in what they do, but people also like the thought that there's this company that treats their employees that way, right? And so my posts are often, I'm just bragging on my employees. I, yeah, honestly, some agencies don't like it. Uh, I, mean, I ruffle feathers here locally because I'm all the time, you know, but what, you know what happens? Their employees call me and they say, when you're hiring, let me know. Because n my boss has never spoken about me the way that you spoke openly about your team members. It's funny that you say that because I was reading one of yours about one of your staff members. I think I even commented on your LinkedIn about it, but I was just thinking to myself, man, if I lived in Kentucky, I'd love to work for Christian Moore. Just because that is such a cool culture that you, that you create there. And I don't know if you've read um, the book, The Five Love Languages or The Love. Oh, yeah. And for me... Uh, I'm an affirmation guy all the way. Uh, my wife would tell you to the nth degree. I mean, I just, that's all I care about. It feels like, but for me to see that, if you've got that kind of staff where you, you recognize that uh, affirmation is one of those buttons to push and to show that love, that's huge to post that kind of stuff. And again, people reading that are going to think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that we don't show about, you know, compensation and cool stuff like that. But but at the end of the day, you know, what I'm wanting to do when I, when I create content is I have a very, it, and it doesn't, I'm not saying that everyone should be doing that. I mean, I do think that I've kind of stumbled upon a, a good formula, um, but also we know who we are, right? So it kind of goes back again to what's your identity and, and why do you exist? I know why. So sure. it allows me to filter my content through that. If you're just creating content to get business, you're never going to be as strong as I am. But, you know, so it's like the concepts of generosity, right? I, I talk to agencies all over the country about this. And it's not like we're the most generous insurance agency that exists. Um, I think that there are, pro and there are others that are larger and more profitable. And they, they probably give 5, 10, 20 times more than we do in their local community. But here's the thing. I exist to give and they happen to give. I happen to sell insurance. They exist to sell insurance. So... I exist to sell insurance. I happen to give. Would you like to do business with me? I exist to be generous. We happen to sell insurance. Would you like to do business with me? Which one of those two companies you can go to? That's the narrative story that matters because my narrative is better. I can do the exact same thing that you do, but it's going to have, it's going to inspire more people to want to work for me, with me and be my clients. And you're dead on uh, on that. And I, I find that to be fascinating. Uh, now, when you mentioned earlier, um, 
culture plus mentality equals narrative. We've talked about culture a lot. Um, and I'm fascinated. I love that equation. I, I wrote it down um, because uh, I wanted to just digest that a minute. But the mentality you talk about, obviously, you can give me the the cheesy mentality thing. But what does that mentality part mean to you as far as that goes? Well, one, there's a wonderful book on mindset, and it's called Mindset. Um, and um, I think it's Carol Dweck. I think that's the name. Uh, it's a, it's a, a female author, Carol Dweck. Um, okay. it on Audible. It's fantastic. But she talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Um, and it's what are you define? You know, some of the stuff is what are you defined by? The reason okay. why I don't mind to share openly successes and failures is because I'm not defined by either of them. I and you know, like with Simon Sinek, you know, he talks about the infinite game versus the finite game. And when you talk about the infinite game, you know, we're existing to make a generational impact. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. So we we exist to make a generational impact. So if that's the case, we have to exist for generations. So I'm not playing a game to to win against so and so agency tomorrow. Inside of my operating agreement, I put this because I have investors that help me start this agency. I said, hey, listen, it takes 100%. We have to have it that it takes 100% authorization to sell our agency. And I want to let you all know I'm never selling. So we, we are going to exist for generations. So the game we're playing, the mindset is not that I'm trying to hire somebody so that I can get a good profit this year. I want to hire somebody, invest in them for three years so that in 20 or 30 years, they know that I have loved them and invested in them and built my life into their life, right? Because ultimately, they're going to build their lives into our community. And the only way that I can do that in a meaningful way is to multiply myself through my team. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, man, just, I, you know, I came from a large organization, the, the agency I came from, they had, they, it's, it's weird because they had so many amazing people, but their culture was non-existent or awful. One of the two. And I don't know which one's worse in all honesty, but there was, there was a whole, there was no, there's no organizational structure, right? The CSR is reported to a CSR manager. The producer is reported to a producer manager. The producer manager wasn't over the CSR manager. The CSR manager wasn't over the producer manager. And the president didn't want to do a dang thing because he was non-confrontational and such a nice guy. So basically there was an organization, this huge organization was ran by a bunch of CSRs that didn't like to do their jobs and ultimately were just, not all of them, that's not fair, but there was a lot of them that had this like cancerous mentality and they said, they would say two things. They would say, that's not my job and they'd pass the buck or they would say, or they would say, well, this is the way we've always done it. So they were as, as free and as open as we are. And you got me on a soapbox right now, so I'm a little impassioned. But as free and as open as my agency is, there's two phrases you can say that will get you fired immediately. And phrase number one is, that's not my job. If you tell me that's not my job, you have no job. I don't care if you're a million dollar a year producer, you're gone. That is cancer and it cannot exist. The other one is, that's the way we've always done it. If, you, if you're looking backwards, you're not a part of this organization. You're not a part of our vision. You're not a part of what we want to be a part of. We are looking to the future. And if you say, this is the way we've always done it, and that's your reason to not do something, then you have no place here. And that is cancer and it cannot exist. And, my, and I tell my team this all the time. Now, conversely, I tell my team, and maybe as a leader, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. As a, as a leader, I tell my team, I, I want your feedback, but I crave your dissent. I want to know what I'm doing wrong. And I tell them this every single meeting. So I'm saying, hey, listen, what am I doing wrong? What, what can I be doing better? Tell me how I am sucking. And I want to hear it every single day if it's true, right? And like right now I'm reading about George Washington. I'm reading his like, I'm going through his like 42 hour biography. And one of the things that he, all, he never got mad when people 
dissented against him and said what he was doing wrong. Uh, he used it as an opportunity to either do something better or to learn something about that person. And it wasn't an offense to him. Now, don't get me wrong. He took offense. But but these are there are things about leaders that, that matter, right? So this is the culture. This is the mindset. It all comes together. But, you know, some of the, one of the best things, here's, here's a really good story. And I know I'm talking a lot, but here's a really good story. One of my team members, I was telling them about how I was going to change pay structure and how I was going to add a new team, uh, add a new position that was going to sell on their book of business so they could focus on new business. And it was going to just be a benefit to them. And so basically someone else was going to sell on it. They were going to split the new business commissions. And then it was going to go into my team members book of business for renewals, right? So they do nothing and their book of business grows and they make more money. So you hear that and you think, wow, that's super awesome. But however I presented it, I presented it in a way where she heard, only she, and she's, honest, and she's my best producer, so she is a million dollar a year producer. Um, and, she said, and she said, she thought I was saying that I was gonna be taking, if she wrote a monoline home, she thought I was gonna be taking the entire account away from her not paying anything. And we spent 10 or 15 minutes and the conversation got more and more intense and, it got, and she got more and more frustrated because she thought, that I was like selling this bill of goods about being a good person and then I was gonna take things away from her. Well, because she argued with me and because she dissented, we were able to clear it up. And at the end of 15 minutes or so, we were the whole agency and this was in front of the whole team, right? And we were having this back and forth. And I'm like, I don't understand why you're mad. I'm telling you something good. She's like, it's not good, you're taking. But at the end of the conversation, we were able to say, we were able to figure out what was going on and it was just a miscommunication and hilarious. But think about if she, think about a dissent wasn't encouraged. Think about what could have happened to that team member. She could have gone home and immediately looked for a new job. Or worse, she could have had bitterness grow inside of her and she could have changed who she was in our agency and hurt our entire culture and taken and turned the whole team against me, right? But because she was willing to, I actually texted her later that night and she was with a bunch of friends. She thought it was hilarious. She goes, my boss just th- texted me and said, thank you for arguing with me in front of everyone. That was awesome. But that was the God's honest truth. So when we talk about mentality and mindset, the last five minutes of me talking, that's what that's what I mean. Well, it also kind of goes back to, and I know you're a man of faith, goes back to the iron sharpens iron thing. Um, and that if you've got that transparency and a true leader has that transparency, then uh, it goes a long way in your leadership. And uh, I love that that's your soapbox. If you're going to stand on a soapbox, it's a pretty good one to stand on. Um, so what, um, what I'll say from there, uh, because when you talk about this culture and you talk about what you're saying, people are listening to this, they might think outside of that story you just told is everything's so hunky-dory, everything's great for, I can't believe I just said hunky-dory. So, <laughs> I've been dad. up in Kentucky too long, man. Right? So um, anyway, they might think everything's wonderful and everything's good and you have this great culture, but there are some stumbling blocks and things do happen. And I'll never forget – uh, there was a morning I was out walking the dog um, and you you and I were texting about some stuff and you had uh, one of your employees that you were having a tough time with and you were asking, you know, what my opinion was on something. You ended up having to let this employee go. Am I correct? And if you, do you remember this conversation? We texted about this. Yeah. It, it was a defining moment, I feel like, for your agency and for you. And for me, uh, I, I was just, I was blown away by what you did. Could you give us a few minutes of that story? Do you mind? Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, it was, you know, it was way more than just having to let somebody go. I had a team member that was, um, that was fraudulent. Um, 
and some of that, you know, there, there were some things, you know, if we would have had better processes in place, we could have caught it. And so we certainly had some culpability. So I don't want, I don't want anyone to hear this and think that I'm saying is a hundred percent on them. But what ended up happening is we had a team member that didn't renew their license and they kept writing business under other people's names and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so if people are listening, they're going to hear, you know, there, there are problems. Those problems got fixed and it's how we found it. But, um, they were writing, they were writing business under different people's names. Um, and ultimately they had been unlicensed for seven months writing business. Um, and my, the guy who is now my agency president found out um, in January. Now, <laughs> he wasn't the president at the time, um, but he found out and he said, and what, what was hilarious is his insurance license had lapsed uh, because he thought he had done something. He needed to click like one more button. It was all done, but he needed to click one more button. Well, he stayed on it for like, he called the insurance department five times a day until it was ready, right? Because as insurance agents, we know you have to have your license to get paid and to give advice. Um, well, um, so he told her exactly what she needed to do. Now he didn't go back and look. He just thought he thought she was in the same boat as him, where it had just been a day. And you know, he didn't take phone calls. He didn't talk to clients until it was done. Very, very above the board. Exactly what you'd expect from someone who's going to be an agency president. Um, so I make him the president at the end of January, and we decide to have a um, a processes boot camp workshop. We send our wives away, and me and him spent forty eight hours and about fifty energy drinks, and did nothing but upgrade our processes. One of those things was checking people's licenses uh, and, and basically making it so that as early as they possibly can, we're just going to automate the process. Here's what you need to do. Here's the steps. Renew your license. We're you know, trying to just make it easier on our team. Well, he goes, well, I'll, I'll edit some of the, the verbiage, but he said, oh crap. I said, what? He said, this girl's not licensed. He's like, I talked to her about it last month. And then he goes, oh no, she hasn't been licensed since July. And, and so we had to stop our process meeting and basically start the process of firing this girl. So then the big, so, okay, so that makes sense, right? But then what happened was, is I looked at it and I was like, and you know, so what we did immediately is we had all hands on deck. I, I divided every single piece of new business or rewritten business that she wrote and I sent it to every single one of my team members. And I said, I said, we got to break this down. We got to call every single client. If they don't answer, we have to email them. We have to give them advice and, and let them know what their policies have on it and we have to document it. And so then, and so we audited every single account and then me and my agency president audited the audit, right? So like we were like, we are going to be as above board as possible. But then as I was getting to the end of it, I said, oh no, I'm going to have to report myself to the, to the DOI because this is, this is serious. This is a big deal. And I talked to agents around the country and it was about half and half. Some were like, yes, you should do it. The others were like, no, the DOI will never know. Uh, don't do it. But man, I can't, I can't talk about doing the right thing and having right intentions while being subversive with our actions and activities, right? Integrity. And it's integrity. Yeah, man. And, and it was going to cost at most $1,000 per policy. It could have cost us about 120. Luckily, she wasn't a prolific producer, uh, but it could have cost us $120,000 and minimally, it would have cost us about eight or nine. And I was so distraught. I love my team, man. I was so distraught. I was crying when I had to fire her, right? But, uh, and I didn't sleep for like three or four days. Of course, when I saw the ineptitude and the laziness uh, and, the, uh, and the things that were happening, I mean, like just false information in the accounts, then I got mad and I started sleeping a whole lot better. <laughs> After I got mad at her, I was a little, I was a little bit more relaxed. But, um, uh, but man, this, I ended up having to report myself and I wrote the, a letter to the DOI and 
And when I, I consulted with a lawyer and consulted with the DOI, and they were like, yeah, you have to send this to the criminal investigation because this is criminal fraud. Um, and so th- this this is a woman that was a, a mother of five children. And so I had to start at the, I mean, dude, it was, it was one of the hardest things I ever did. I had to start the letter with, I have no desire to ruin a woman's life. So before you read anything else, please extend the maximum amount of grace and mercy to her. And then I had to spend the next two pages explaining exactly what she had done wrong and exactly how we handled it. And ultimately the DOI got back to us and said, because of the way you handled yourself and because you self-reported, thank you, you're good. This is how bad it could have been, but because you self-reported, you're good. That that story is still this, I'll never forget it, because of the um, the amount of, uh, at that point in time, empathy you say you don't have, the amount of passion and love that you have for your team, and just the way you handled that, I just knew, I already knew, because we were friends at that point, I already knew you were a good dude. But after that, that had to have been one of the hardest things to do. But on top of that, to be able to have the integrity and be able to do the right thing, uh, it just shows what kind of man Christian Moore is. And and I appreciate that. Our industry appreciates that. Um, and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, well, it's people like you that I can, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about our, our community, right? The thing I didn't know as in, before I was an agency owner was I could become friends with a guy named Heath down in Alabama because of podcasts and because of Facebook, right? Um, and then I, I had friends all over the country. There's a guy named Nick Bogan up in Ohio. He was like, he's like a spiritual mentor for me and through this. And I was just like, I was like, dude, I've got to figure out, I don't know what to do. Um, and I had a really great group of people because of IAOA, um, because of those relationships I've built there, because of guys like you, uh, it really helped me walk through it. But I mean, it's like, you know, you can't tell necessarily um, in looking at me or hearing from me, but even thinking through it again, is very emotional because we were a young agency and I had to put myself on a radar of an organization that could stop us from doing anything. Yeah, I could see it and hear it. Uh, by the way, I got to correct you. And one thing that you said, I'm from Arkansas, bro. Alabama, oh. the, other, oh. the other knuckleheads have an awesome podcast. Um, i'll forgive you bradley and scott are alabama but i'll I'll forgive you i love them too but um no and i I agree completely and that is you talk about soapboxes that's one of the soapboxes i stand on and being involved in this industry is i've gotten to meet some incredible people and put together you know a speaking engagement you're going to be a part of with the likes of like set zaremba sid Rowe, you bradley scott some of the greatest people in the industry from all over the place so you're right our community that we live in and that we work in every day is so incredible. Um, and you've gotten to do quite a few speaking engagements and you've gotten to be a part of some, some pretty incredible things. And I've heard so many people from Arkansas that came back from IAOA talking about you and the uh, breakout session, I believe that you did. And um, so tell me, is that something that um, as you're growing the agency you'll continue to do? I mean, I know you've got a, a website or a Facebook page for the agent. Is yeah. that something Continue to do. Tell me about your speaking engagements. What that looks like for you moving forward. Man, I want to write a book, <clears throat> and the, the concept of it comes from the, the the thing called the Edgent. So you can find me on Facebook, and I'll put content on there some, from time to time. Uh, it's called the Edgent, E D G E N T, and that's just a word I made up that means uh, an agent on the edge. And and basically the idea of it was that whenever you enter an edge or whenever you encounter an edge, you have one of three choices. You can either move forward, stand still, or retreat. And there can be wisdom in any one of those movements. But the question is, what happened in that situation to make you make that decision? And was it wise or was it not wise? My My theory is that by examining many different people's edge moment in their life, that moment where they get to the edge and they have to figure out, should I move forward? Should I jump in? You know, think about a little girl on the 
uh, on the diving board that doesn't know how to swim. She gets out there and we've all been at the pool and this has happened, right? And she's back and forth, back and forth. And, and, it, you know, and, and everyone looks foolish, right? Because she doesn't make, she's, there's no decision. If she jumped and her mom caught her, that would be better. If she retreated, that would have been fine. But standing still was a foolish decision. Now, if there was no mother there and she was by herself, then standing still or then jumping would have been a bad decision. Standing still was okay, but the best decision was to retreat, right? Um, you, know, you look at David and Goliath. David was a person who was defined by, def he, he fought giants, but bears, lions all the time. So everyone on the David and Goliath track when, you know, this is one of my talks, but the Israelites who were standing there who were trained warriors had never fought a giant before. So they were smart because they didn't give up their position. So retreating would have been bad. Standing still was good. David was not unwise and he wasn't lucky in, in moving forward. He had beat giants before and beasts in a field when there was no glory to be had. So him moving forward was the only rational choice for him. So the concept of the agent was something that, that, I wanted to, that I wanted to grow. But after going to IAOA, I got to speak to almost a thousand of my peers uh, and, and deliver the giant killer conversation that that was a part of. And and I felt like, I mean, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd love to know people's feedback on it, but I felt like I did as good as I possibly could. And I walked away from there thinking, it's not going to get much better than this. And I got home and I realized that for the last few months, I was getting more and more focused on just promoting myself as opposed to investing in the team that had believed in me. Um, so I felt a great peace in just saying, so you guys, when I go to PIA Arkansas later in the year, you're going to be my last speaking engagement for a while. Um, because I really just want to build out my team, build out this agency, focus on my wife and kids and, and not, my own, not my own promotion. So I'm, um, I'm going to kind of fall out of that game and we're going to do the agent refined thing and the, and the real good group. Good for you, man. Uh, it's one of those things that as you talk about in your agency, you got to know your identity and you got to know who you are. And now you're showing that, displaying that in your own life. And it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show your team the same thing. I'm proud of you for that. I really am. Thanks, man. So again, I could sit here and probably jam with you for another hour or two, uh, but I know we're both busy. Um, is there any other soapboxes, anything else you would like to, to leave us with or talk about for a few minutes before we sign off? Um, anything else you would like to say to my audience at all in Insurance Town? I think the thing that I would leave people with is don't fall in love with your own story. Um, Oftentimes, you've got a brand, you've got a logo, um, you've come up with something. And at the end of the day, you're an insurance agent. You're not a professional brander. You're not a professional marketer. You're not a professional designer. Um, but you are a professional insurance agent. So I, I, I would encourage humility um, in your agency and your design and your brand so that when guys like us or uh, an agent refined or Forge 3 or, or AE, uh, Advisor Evolved, uh, when, you, when you run across some people who are going to help you with these things, um, you can actually be helped because a doctor can't help somebody who's already self-diagnosed themselves, right? Um, and if you want to grow, and this is the thing, people talk to me about recruiting all the time. It's the number one thing in our agency, in our, in our industry that people have a hard time figuring out. It's not business acquisition, it's talent acquisition. And the number one thing that people, they, they're Christian, how do I recruit like you recruit? And I ask the question, why do you exist? And they don't know. They've been in business for 50 years and they don't know why they exist. Are you kidding me? So yeah, hey, would you marry me? Sure, what are you about? I'd like to marry you. I don't, I don't have much else going on for me. Like 
I don't know. I, I make a lot of money and yeah, you want to marry me? Maybe that's good enough for the wrong person, but it's not good enough for the right person. Um, and so, you know, I would say invest time in figuring out why you exist, who you are, figure out your cultural identity and have some humility in that. Because I talked to, I just talked to a $120 million agency today and they have no idea who they are, but they have a lot of good things going. They just need to, they just need to spend some time and some money figuring it out, answering those hard questions. So that's my encouragement. Answer the hard questions. Man, I really appreciate it. Don't fall in love with your own story. That's fantastic advice. Now, uh, if anybody does want to reach out to you, talk to you, uh, is there a way they can get in touch with you, an email address, an agency phone number, your cell number, Facebook, somehow they can get a hold of you. Would you share that information with them? Yeah, please. If you're interested in, in web services or marketing or branding or any of the consultation kind of stuff that I've talked about, uh, you can go to agentrefine.com. Um, you can click on our chat bot and request a conversation. You can also email me at christian at agentrefined.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, I think I've still got room for about another thousand people on Facebook. So um, I, I think we'll be fine with uh, saying that. So yeah, connect. Uh, I'm, and I love talking. And by the way, this is important to me. I, t- I spent an hour on the phone with a guy today trying to help him figure out his recruiting strategy. I wasn't asking, I had no intention of asking him to pay for it, uh, anything along those lines. So if people are just looking for a friend and some friendly advice, please don't hesitate to reach out to me just because I have a business that makes money off of it. I, I want to help people. And the, and the right people will want to be clients. And some people don't need to be clients. And, and maybe maybe they just need a friend and some, some good advice. And I'm happy to do that too. Oh, that's awesome. And that shows why you are the collaborator of the year um, and have a, a beautiful uh, trophy, not trophy, is it trophy? Award in the background. So uh, I'm going to do quite a bit of editing there, Christian, but anyhow, (laughs) I'm still learning this thing. But again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for hanging out with me. Um, Again, we have to do this again sometime off or on the air. I don't care. Um, I love you, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks, my man. I appreciate you. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me and Christian Moore today on the podcast. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too, and I hope our conversation brought value to your day. Uh, Keep uh, the momentum going. Keep reaching out to me. Keep emails coming. I love it. Tell all your friends about the podcast. We're getting some serious momentum here, and I I love it. So um, I got to tell you, like I do every week, this podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Podcast. My man, Ryan, does an awesome job. He does all the recording and the editing and the producing and uh, really makes me look good when I screw up all the time. So um, if you got an idea for a podcast, reach out to that guy. He's really good. Um, Again, readysetpodcast.xyz, or you can find him on Facebook or Instagram. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys, and I will see you next week.